It's all on you. Uh, I know. I'm getting there. Oh, I thought you were ready. I am. I was <laughs> taking a breath. <laughs> anyway. Welcome to small... Oh, I see. And now you made me mess up. (laughs) Hi, (laughs) I'm Bug and I'm small. And I'm Craig and I'm tall. Welcome at last to Small and Tall, where two best friends explore movies, franchises, and genres that wouldn't be covered on permanent good. Let's set the scene a little bit. It's currently almost 10 p.m. Normally... Bug and I record in chunks, and generally we're done like a week before we have to have the episode out. (laughs) It's 10 p.m. The episode goes up in five hours. Very rarely (laughs) are we going as close like under the wire as we are right now. And I think we're just both a little punchy today. It's uh, (laughs) buckle up, buddies. Yeah. And also very rarely do we record an entire never. We've never done this where we record an entire episode in one sitting. We did that. So, or, didn't I thought we did that with one, but maybe nope. not. Nah, it's it's all it's been chunky chunky. Um, <laughs> that was a weird way to say that. <laughs> this <laughs> And I've already recorded a podcast today. Uh, so I'm just kind of like in the space. <laughs> I, I I already had a weird energy. So just in general, the the vibes are gonna be immaculate. I would say <laughs> it's gonna be a good one. Anyway, Craig, what are we doing this February on Small and Tall? This February on Small and Tall, we are watching the Despicable Me trilogy. <laughs> Um, I just face planted per- into my mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, personally, I think it's the highlight of Steve Carell's career. I think that Steve Carell and Kristen Wiig uh, in the second and third movies have really good chemistry together. Although in the third movie, we could have used a little bit more Kristen Wiig because I think she had a really good character in two. And they kind of just wrote her off in hey, three. Craig. I don't know. Hey. Yeah, what's up? Hey, Craig. Wrong month. Yeah? Wrong month. Wrong Wrong month? This, what is this? This is the um, this is the original trilogy of Star Wars month. Then why did I watch all of Despicable Me? That's 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 August. That's August. Are we planting our flag <laughs> in the ground that it's August? No. <laughs> oh no. Not. Oh no. Don't hold us accountable to that. Hey, audience, Please. don't hold us accountable. <laughs> Please don't. I beg of you. Okay, Star Wars original trilogy. Um, it's worth noting that we watched, um, the versions that are on Disney plus because star Wars, the original trilogy has gone through from what I understand a million modifications since their original release. Yes. Lots of new CGI has been added in these ones. Lots of new CGI. Lots of, uh, lines have been dubbed over. Lots of, you know, there have been whole new characters added to certain scenes. Uh, There is a section on the Star Wars fan wiki that is just dedicated to all the changes that have been made to already completed movies. And 
it's a novel. It is unironically one of the longest websites I've ever seen. But you know what so, they didn't change that they should have? What? What? Luke and Leia kissing each other. Okay, we'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> ah. Anyway, Craig, what what happened in our first movie? Um. So in the first movie, Star Wars, as it was originally known, uh, known now as Episode Four. Actually, before we do that, let's talk about our history with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a better place to start. Okay. Um. Both of us actively like Star Wars, and we've seen all these movies. We're not going in blind to any of this. Um, it's been a minute since I've seen the original trilogy, specifically episode six. Four and five I've seen relatively recently, but six, uh, it's the end of a trilogy, so it ends up getting a little less love in terms of watch time. But yeah, obviously I've seen all the movies. I watched all of the Clone Wars. I've watched all of Rebels, caught up on Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett. So like, I would, I'm... I'm invested, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. So the yeah. last time I watched these movies was actually during quarantine, or maybe like slightly before. I think we decided to just watch all of them because we had some time on our hands. Yeah, just a little bit. So it's it's been a couple years. Yeah, I don't like these. Aren't movies that I regularly put on. Um, but I enjoy the, like, I'm in love with this universe. I love this universe so much. Me too. So I, I'm excited to talk about this. And episode four, A New Hope, it takes us through the journey of Luke Skywalker finding that his father was a Jedi, undergoing, I would say, the bare minimum training. Bare like, minimum. To say that he even received training at all is a stretch. But uh he you know, he finds Ben Kenobi, who we learn is Obi-Wan Kenobi, which doesn't really mean anything right now, but Ben and Luke hire Han and Chewie to fly them to Alderaan so that way they can give Princess Leia a message and so that way Ben can help Leia defeat the Empire. It's a lot of nouns and verbs and whatnot. (laughs) Um, But in reality, it's not important because most of it doesn't end up happening. No. Um, So, also, if you don't know the plot of Star Wars by now, guys. What rock have you been living under? you got to pick up a little bit just by osmosis of pop culture. Um, So, going into this... I forgot how much of this movie they spent on Tatooine. I forgot how few sets were in this movie. It's Tatooine, the Death Star, and the Rebel Base. That's it. Pretty much. And so I forgot how much of this movie was on Tatooine. Like, I'm just like, because in my head, these movies are just like a series of bullet points. Yes. And so it's like, all right, uh, the, the droids escape the ship. They get captured by the Jawas. Luke picks them up. He finds Ben. They go to Mos Eisley and they leave. Like in my head, those are all the important things that happen on Tatooine. But it takes like 70 minutes for all of that to happen. Which is insane. Like I forgot. Yeah. Like just like you, I forgot how long is spent on Tatooine. Like I was like, okay, when are we going to like start <laughs> the plan? Yeah. Because it, yeah, it feels this movie is a setup movie. Right. Yes. Even though this movie is this movie is a self-contained plot. You can watch this and only this and walk away with a completed story. But 
knowing that there's so much more, this movie feels so incredibly bare-boned, if that makes sense. Like, there's the sand planet, and then they go to space, and then they blow up a big Death Star. Like, at its core, there's not much to it. It's everything that it precedes and follows in terms of you know, the universe's timeline that makes this movie important. This movie, I would say, is no longer as good as it used to be simply because it serves so little in terms of, like, actual plot. And this is all just story setup. I definitely agree. This is, this is, might be a controversial opinion, but this is one of the hardest ones to get through because it is, like, bare bones and all set up. So, like, once you watch it and once you understand everything that's happening, you're like, okay, I want to watch the ones where they're in the thick of it instead. Yeah, because the stakes, all in all, until they start flying and blowing up the Death Star, the stakes feel kind of low. Yeah. Like, because we really don't understand the gravity of this situation um and and, and, but that to be said this movie is still good i still like this movie i just want to point out that in the years since it came out it's harder to hold this movie by itself um because there are still good things about it luke um discovering his like ben showing luke the lightsaber iconic scene love it um, Darth Vader, incredibly intimidating. Love it. Um, Luke using the force to shoot a torpedo into the Death Star. Love that. There's lots of good things happening in this movie. It's just that sometimes, like you said, it's just the hardest to get through. I will say that that Moss Eisley cantina music, always, always a slapper. Oh, yeah, it jams hard. And if you don't know this by now... I am begging you to look up what that cantina music is called. <laughs> it's my favorite. I'm not going to say it because it's That's why I said it the way I did. Um, but cantina music is so good, and the name of it is so good. Um, this movie also has, like, weird... It has to play a lot of weird cinematography tricks that don't play as well now. It's like... So, like, th- st- some of the stuff that they've done in the remasters is they've made the lightsabers better and brighter, clearer, just all in all better to look at, but it looks off still almost. It still looks off because they're trying to use camera tricks to hide the action of it. So like when Luke is just playing with the lightsaber, when he first gets it, that one's fine because he's not doing anything with it. He's just showing it off. But in that cantina scene, when Ben chops off that alien's arm, it happens so fast that, like, you don't really... It's like, you kind of have to piece together what happened through context because you don't see anything happen. Exactly. And it's, like, along with, like, some of the other new CGI, it kind of, like, makes it look weird to where part of me wishes they would have just left it alone. Yeah, because there's uh, the beasts that the stormtroopers ride when they're looking for the droids on Tatooine. I don't remember what the beasts are called, but like those are CGI. And I don't even think that they were in the original movie because in my head, I'm just like, there's no way they 
puppeteered that. So it was a deleted scene that they re-added after they were like, oh, we can bump this up with CGI. And so, like, it's weird. It's definitely weird seeing kind of like this hybrid half of the movie is camera tricks. The other half is weird 90s CGI. Yeah. And some of, like, the re-voiceovers or, like, the covered-up lines made it so, like, some of Obi-Wan's line delivery is just way too flat. Yes. I just kind of agree with that in general. (laughs) I think... (laughs) I know that Alec Guinness is, like, a renowned actor and everything, but, like, if his version of Obi-Wan Kenobi is not nearly as impactful as prequel Obi-Wan, and I kind of feel like that's comparing apples to oranges, especially since we haven't even opened the bag of oranges yet, but just, like, his Ben Kenobi is just, he's quiet he seems incredibly dismissive and just I'm not a big fan of the don't ask questions. You'll find your answers through the force kind of mentality that Ben has uh, and Yoda will have later on. It's just, it feels weirdly gatekeepy. So overall, like this, this movie set a set a very good bar, but a bar that gets surpassed time and time again. And it's it, we were talking about this last night while we were watching the first movie. And prequel Obi-Wan would have given Luke, like, this deep talk about how it's his purpose to come with him to save the galaxy and the Force moves within him. But this Obi-Wan is just like, what? Are you a coward? You're going to stay here with your <laughs> uncle? You're going to stay here on Tatooine and be a farmer? Coward. Which is wild because, like, the whole... Throughout Star Wars Rebels, you learn Obi-Wan left the Jedi Order so he could go on Tatooine and protect Luke until he was ready. And so you kind of get this vibe that Obi-Wan is fatherly and protective and all of that and then you watch him in this and you're like he's nagging luke literally and i and i understand that that's kind of like a i'm testing him to see if he's actually ready kind of tactic but it just it feel it doesn't play well in the universe that has been built around it and i want to be clear that this is not this movie's fault it is the fault of the universe that is built around it it just it just so happens that I prefer the universe built around it than <laughs> what this is giving us. Uh, you definitely agree with that one. And like, even, he literally just flipped this kid's world upside down, told him that his father was murdered, and that he has the force within him, gives him a lightsaber, and then is like, all right, so you ready to go risk your life for that galaxy? And then, and then... His uncle and aunt die, just straight up. Straight up. Burned. Has to see them burned to straight up. What did they do to them to make them skeletal? And so Luke goes back to Ben and he's like, the Empire found us. We need, like, they killed my aunt and uncle. And Ben's like, sucks. Anyway, Alderaan? He's like, yeah, you just lost all your family. 
so you want to come? Yeah. <laughs> uh, perfect. His family's finally dead. Now he will experience the true Jedi Master. <laughs> Looks like you don't gotta stay for Harvest no more. Yeah. Um, I really liked his aunt and uncle. I really do. Obviously, Uncle Owen is a little hard on him. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think it's necessary. I think that both of them, both of them knew what was at stake for Luke. And I think that Uncle Owen was being very protective of Luke. And I just, I felt like they really had his best interest in heart. And, you know, you see, I know how old he is. He seems to be like somewhere, I would guess like somewhere between like 17 and 19 um, is kind of the vibes he gives off. I think he's 19 because all of his friends are already off at college. Okay. Yeah. Quote unquote college. Yeah. <laughs> um, Space college. <laughs> And I just, I really like their dynamic. They're, they aren't around for very long, but I think they genuinely did have a very good family dynamic and it was nice to see. I definitely would have preferred them to actually tell him about his family, though. Yes. Yeah. And that is a theme that will stick throughout the entire trilogy is just <laughs> kind of like, someone give this man a straight answer. That's just like a Star Wars thing. Like every trilogy has something like that. Like, you think that you are helping him by making him go on this journey, and it's not helping. No. <laughs> you think it is, but it's not. As kind of like the the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, kind of, uh, and, and I am I really don't like looping in other movies while we're talking about the original trilogy, but sometimes it's, it's, it's prevalent enough to where it's worth talking about it, where the Jedi are supposed to are they're revered especially in the original trilogy the jedi are revered um everyone kind of like talks about jedi knights like like one would talk about hercules today um very in a like a mythological superhero type sense but then you every almost every interaction we have with the jedi i'm like yeah no wonder your Padawans constantly betray you. You're bad to them. So you suck, bad. kind of. Like, so cryptic. You don't help them out at all. You're like, eh, figure it out and then come talk to me. And then I'm just going to give you more cryptic things and tell you to go figure that out instead of actually encouraging you. And then, when we're in the thick of it, you still mess up. <laughs> and my Force Ghost won't be around to help you anymore. Yeah. Oh my God. It, um, the Death Star sequence. When they're on the Death Star, I like that a lot. I think I think the best part of this movie is the entire sequence when they're on the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Um, Ben kind of running away to take down the shield generator. Um, it's nice because I like the interactions between Luke Han and Leia. The three of them are love them. Iconic. So they are. They have they are they set the bar for cinematic charisma and it's and it starts as soon as they meet instantly it they are like perfect together all three of them um you know who it reminds me of who does it remind you of you me and Alex in high school <laughs> yes very much so <laughs> um 
there was a there was a cool guy there was um there was kind of like the less talkative kind of nerdier one and then there was the princess um makes sense so that is all that that's all good and ben walking away for so long almost made me not care about him it makes you kind of lose interest in where his plot is going until it gets to like the actual battle sequence. Yeah, and the the fight sequence between Ben and Darth Vader is very cool because it's the first lightsaber battle we see and it's the only one in this movie. So, this lightsaber battle is very important. I also think Ben biffed it. Biffed it. Um, Biffed it. Because he he sacrifices himself to like, I I really don't have a good justification for him sacrificing himself. I I, I don't know if it's to give Luke more motivation. I don't know if. I feel like it was to give Luke a couple more seconds. Yeah, but do you know what else would have given him more seconds? Just fighting Darth Vader. Yeah, but um, that but that wouldn't have progressed the plot because you know he has to <laughs> confront Darth Vader. Yeah, I think uh, I think that Ben's sacrifice is pretty low tier in terms of Star Wars sacrifices. Um, it feels unnecessary. I don't know. Maybe I'm going too hard on this. Here's here's the thing. We're talking a lot of trash on this movie. We love I it. Like this we movie. love this movie. I really like this movie. And I think this movie is a very good start to a movie. I feel like this might be a little too tangential, but we're going to feel about Dune Part 1 how we feel about this movie right now. Um, It's just, it's cool. There's a lot of cool things happening, but... There's so much more yet to happen. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I really want to justify by saying, like, I really do like this movie. The practical effects in this movie are amazing. The Just, like, the amount of work that goes into this movie is, it's breathtaking. The, the, the star fights are amazing. The Death Star run is amazing. And, and there's this really cool aspect about Darth Vader that I really like. And it's... Darth Vader is feared, but not to a cartoonish effect. Yes. At least in this movie. Because in this one, people tell Darth Vader he's wrong. People, like, will stand up to Darth Vader. And not just the rebels, but, like, other Imperial officers. Because there's a scene where he's, like, like... It's one of the first scenes that we see Darth Vader in where he's like, I feel it in the force. And someone was like, dude, no one believes in the force but you. Like, get off your high horse. And Darth Vader responds to that by force choking him. But even still, other people are like, huh, that Darth Vader guy's kind of crazy, isn't he? A little kooky. He's a little aggressive. I also like how pop culture has totally over-exaggerated the delivery of the no, I am your father line because they make it be like, no, I am your father. But really it's just, no, I am your father. That's not until the next movie though. No, it's in this one. Nope, it's this one. No way. No, it's on, it's on uh, episode five. They're on, you know, Cloud City. This is what I get for watching them so 
close to it. <laughs> I thought that was at the end of this one. Nope. This movie ends with the Death Star trench run. Oh, yeah. That's and... right. Never mind. Don't yep, quote you're all that, good. That, put that in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, uh, let's talk about some of the so, there's there, there's some controversies about this movie. Um, the first of which being the whole like Han shot first ordeal. So if you don't know the history of this in the theatrical release of this movie in Moss in Moss Eisley, when Han is talking to Greedo and uh, in the theatrical release, Han shoots Greedo. And that's that's the whole interaction. But eventually, I, I forget whose decision it was, but they were like, we shouldn't have Han kill someone in cold blood over a transaction like this that seems a little, like, ruthless. So they added Greedo shooting first, missing, and then Han retaliating by shooting Greedo. And I want to bring this up, mostly to say, I do not care. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about it because whenever, because it's kind of the elephant in the room whenever you talk about A New Hope. But at the end of the day, I don't care. No, like he was being told that this dude was going to turn him in for the bounty on his head. What do you think is going to happen when he's also ruthless? And and I don't care if Han shot first. I don't care that they changed it so Greedo shot first. I am just like, this is such a not important part of the movie <laughs> like of all the things that you could potentially get hung up on why is it this honestly um but han i really dude han is such a great character like I love han I, so I, much. I, I know he is like textbook cool guy and people have been trying to mimic him for years but i get it i get it he's such a cool guy and he does just like the perfect amount of cool guy to where you're like you're all right sometimes and yeah that that's a very and that is leia's uh affiliation with him for this one and the next one where she just actively tells him i stand you most of the time and i love their dynamic so much it's such a good dynamic they have such good chemistry um and I just love every interaction where Han and Leia will like argue. They'll get up in each other's face and Luke is just like off tinkering with something. <laughs> just like off doing his own thing. Oh, the it's kids are at it thing. again. Yeah. It's my favorite thing on the planet. Um, the trash compactor scene. Oh, it's not actually called a trash compactor. They call it something else. Um, that's just kind of the word that we've adopted for it. That's something else that you notice is there's lots of like, I don't want to call it a Mandela effect because I feel like everybody uses that term wrong, but there's like a lot of weird misrememberings from this trilogy. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure it's not called a trash compactor. They I think call it's it a, a garbage compactor. Yeah. Um, and also Luke was underwater in that garbage compactor for so long. And it wasn't that deep of water. So I don't understand why Han was just like waving his hand around being like, where you at? Where you at? While it's yeah. knee deep. Yeah. Um, just like you should be kicking around more than anything else. Literally. like, And also he just doesn't act 
faced once he's out of the water. Like, I'd be like, <laughs> can I get a shower, please? <laughs> yes, like, this is gross and disgusting. I'd be, like, gagging because he got it in his mouth and all he does is spit and cough a little. I'd be like, <laughs> Um, I also really like, I, I think maybe my favorite single sequence from this movie is when... Luke and Leia are running from the stormtroopers and they close the door. Luke shoots the bridge controls that also controls the door. And uh, Luke has to throw that grappling hook and they swing across like that sequence has like the perfect amount of tension. Yes. Like, like obviously we know they're gonna make it, but that doesn't make it any less tense in this moment right now. And it has the perfect amount of back and forth between them of being like, you got to figure this out. Well, you just told me to shoot it and I shot it and that was our way yeah. out of here. Like, what do you want from me? Yeah. There's also where he, she kisses him on the cheek, I think, for luck. But it's one of those things where like he was half turned towards her. So she like planted a kiss like on like his dimple line. Or, like, on his cheek line. And I'm like, that was weird to watch. That was, that was a little bit uncomfortable to watch. That's not the worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I want to give this movie, like, a like a mid-seven. Like, a seven and a quarter. I, I agree with that one. I definitely agree. Like, it's it's definitely around, like, the the, like, lower end of seven, but above seven. Yeah, like this movie, I respect this movie so much. Like we can nitpick it all day as any true Star Wars fans should do. No, they shouldn't. Shut up. <laughs> but they um, do. But they do anyway. Um, Yeah, we can nitpick this movie all day. But at, at the end of the day, this movie set up an amazing universe and it did a good job doing it. Um, And a lot of... A lot of people that aren't predisposed to sci-fi or fantasy could very easily bounce off a movie like this. Um, so I honestly, re-watching this movie, and we'll get to it again later in the year, but I genuinely think that A Force Awakens is the best place to start if you're a new Star Wars fan. Um, just because... Uh, and again, we will reaffirm it later on. But right now, I'm saying A New Hope is a great movie to come back to after you're established in the universe. I agree. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, though, that movie rules. 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 Uh, um, My mom was... my So my mom grew up in one of those families, like, where um, soda was, like, a treat and when they got soda, like, her and her brother would have to share a bottle. Like, that was kind of the family they grew up in. Oh, dear. And um, my mom, my parent, or my grandparents took my mom to see this movie in theaters twice. <laughs> and if that's any testament to show you how how well this movie was received at the time, uh, it's that that's that. And it holds up. This movie holds up so good. Um, I think that just, like, from the get-go... Uh, this movie does a very good job at establishing itself with a different tone than A New Hope, but still carrying the same momentum. This movie is the perfect momentum carrier. And, and you know, right away, we see that uh, Han and Leia dynamic again with and it's them. so genius. Are... It's so genius. 
Yeah, with them arguing in the in the rebel base, and I <laughs> the the thing that makes that scene perfect is the guy that has to walk between them. <laughs> yes, like that scene is good. That guy makes that scene perfect. I like right at the end of it where like Han is like you could use a good kiss and then you just see the guy who just walked by who's about to like enter the door kind of like look back at Leia and be like I could help you out there (laughs) um oh I wanted to talk about this do you read the opening crawl um sometimes yeah like and I did this time just because I research purposes the opening crawl is kind of important yeah it kind of <laughs> sets up the whole thing because i'm just i'm so used to the opening crawl just kind of being like okay everyone settle down we've started star wars take your like put like this is the time that you take to get ready to watch the movie but no like the opening crawl to episode five is like hey the rebels moved and they're already boned yeah like like we're being chased like we're cutting you into this story after they're already being caught they're like to flash forward a little bit and catch you up on the last season of glee yeah (laughs) um luke is such a kurt um (laughs) well we did say that he was a lesbian so luke is a lesbian change my mind actually don't (laughs) No, this is my headcanon. My headcanon is that Luke is a lesbian, and you may be like, oh, it's because of his haircut. No, it's because of the everything about him. I, like, I can see it. It's just his attitude. It's the. It's just his relationship with people. He's He's got strong lesbian vibes. Um, and that's all I need to say on that matter. Um, he is an LGBT queen. Definitely. No, listen, if you don't think he's a lesbian, you got to at least admit he's somewhere under that umbrella. <laughs> like, sorry, guys. Um, the Oh, I wanted... There were some really cool filmmaking moments that I noticed on Hoth. Like, just every now and then you see, like, um, wide shots where they used claymation figures, or at least stop motion figures for the Tauntauns that I thought were mm-hmm. really cool. Um, and I just, I really liked, uh, after Luke was brought back to the cage by the Wampa, um, his bruising makeup looked so brutal. So brutal. It looked rough. And I, I gotta get, I gotta give, uh, props to that. Like when he's in the Wampa cave, uh, cave, when Han puts him in the Tauntaun, like he just looks so bad. <laughs> So worse for wear. He got his ass handed to him. Um. Also, uh, it's it never gets any easier watching Han rip that tauntaun open. No, never. And it, uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh. It's the fact that like the this whole time the tauntauns have been like you know special effects, very obviously like okay, this is like you gotta suspend some disbelief for this, and then um he opens up the tauntaun and it just looks gross. Mm, so gross. it looks real. I have to like uh, close my eyes. Just like straight up maggots. And I'm like, this was gross. <laughs> and like, I I'm, it was, it was cool, but gross. But I will say that shortly after that, we receive 
an even more disgusting scene where this is the time when I would like to have a sit down with a Mr. George Lucas and ask him why. Why? Why did you do it, Lucas? Why did you plan this out? You knew. <laughs> you knew. I think it's funny. I think it's funny more than anything else. Okay, yeah, it's funny in hindsight, but he literally made this man fall in love with his sister. <laughs> I don't think he I don't think he ever fell in love with his sister. I think what I really liked was after Leia kisses Luke, he does that like cool guy lean back and he looks at Han. <laughs> I think it was more of a I got what you couldn't kind of deal. Yeah, but at the same um, time, even from like the first movie he's like oh she's so beautiful she's gorgeous who's that and so like you see that he's kind of like pining for her and being like oh who's she gonna choose me or han but like he knows that she that she likes han more low-key but at the same time he's like haha i got it before you did and then it's like no that's my sister uh i really think at the end of the day i look at it as all just like one big joke um, <laughs> but if you look back on the trailers for A New Hope, uh, the marketing team did not know that they were siblings. No. So the original trailer for A New Hope very clearly is like, hey, th- these two, these two get it on. These two and get it on. I, I just, I think it's so funny every time. Uh, d- talk about people... N- Talk about Luke specifically looking rough. Him in the Bakta tank, like, he looks like an alien. He really does. And I think when I watched it as a kid, it was, like, almost unsettling. Like, it's the fact that he's wearing a big diaper and the shape of the tank kind of, like, morphs his body. And I'm like, this looks weird. I don't like how this looks. This looks uncomfortable. And, like... There's no way that water's. Do you think that water's warm? It's probably like room temp. Yeah, I just I don't think that would be a comfortable pod to sleep in. No. Or I recover so or be in. Just not a fan of the Bakta tank in general. Mm-mm. <laughs> um, I like how this movie continues to play with Han's split morality. Um, because. There's kind of like a subplot of this movie that's not super important. It's It plays more in the first act where Han is like, hey, this was all fine and dandy, but I am still being hunted by Jabba the Hutt, so I need to, like, boot scoot and boogie. And Leia's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, and so there's kind of like this um, aspect of Han where he, you kind of watch him learn that as no matter how much he tries to tell himself otherwise he's there for the rebels he's there for leia he cares and that was something that like did you watch solo Mm -mm, not yet no okay so i watched solo once in theaters and i thought about revisiting it during this rewatch and i still might but i just didn't right now and that was kind of the my main problem with Solo is they were like, they focused on justifying his good side than showing his uh, smuggling past. Mm. And so it was nice in this to see both where you still see his like 
smuggling or not origin story smuggling like heart or smuggling brain rather but see his good side eventually win out yeah and i can also kind of see where he's at with wanting to leave and get the job of stuff over with because she's like look we already have the empire on our backs and now we have an entirely different part of the galaxy hunting us because i'm with you oh yeah i totally understand like dude's been looking over his shoulder his whole life and now he has people he cares about that will also have to look over their shoulders like yeah he is he rightfully has business to take care of yeah he's 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 gonna run and he rightfully can um, the toe line around the AT-ATs, that's iconic. Love it. Um, I also really just like the cinematography for that. Um, it's very simple and it, it has definitely aged and you can see its age, but it still feels right. There's something about that sequence that everything about it just feels right. I definitely agree with that. Um... Now, let's move on. Let's move on to Dagobah. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about Dagobah. Firstly, being I understand Luke's resilience to Yoda upon first meeting him. Because Yoda doesn't make a good first impression. No. <laughs> um, he gets all up in Luke's grill. He steals his food and, like, toys with R2. And I'm like, hey, bud, can you stop? And again, we're already starting with this cryptic nonsense where Luke is like, hey, can you bring me to Yoda? And Yoda's like, hmm, let me mess with this child. Let me eat all your food first. I'm not going to even introduce myself. Um, I do want to say uh, uh, the puppetry behind Yoda is, like masterful masterful genuine genuinely like this is some of the best puppeteering in cinema and it's it's just so good um however knowing that frank oz is the voice of yoda all i can hear is like this weird hybrid of fozzy bear and grover <laughs> And just like, ah, yes, Fozzie Bear and Grover giving cryptic advice to a Jedi. It's Love they, it. That's what they do on the weekends. <laughs> it's their side project. Yeah, I think just Yoda is such an amazing piece of uh, puppeteering. And I, and I want to point that out. Beca- and, um, and I want to talk about... Craig knows his puppeteering, y'all. You can't... I, I know, I know a little bit. You can't debate him. Uh, um... There is a documentary on Disney Plus that I want to shout out called uh, Empire of Dreams. And a lo- and it goes into the not so much the film making, not like behind the scenes of it, but like kind of like the industry side of the making of the original trilogy. Like you, you hear a lot about him selling the first Star Wars movie to 20th Century Fox and how it spread through theaters and stuff like that and how the movie got financed and stuff like that. But you also do get like behind the scenes, technical stuff. Uh, Like you see a lot of stuff of the modeling workers, the ones that work 
pretty much made all the miniatures that were used for the ships and uh, the walkers and stuff like that. And there's also a pretty in-depth interview with uh, Frank Oz about the contraption that they had to build Mm -hmm. in order to uh, get Yoda to work. So, like, all those scenes in Yoda's hut, like, Frank Oz's hand, like, Frank Oz is, like, standing fully up. And also has his arm as high up as possible. So this dude has, like, no circulation for, like, hours. And um, he can't see what's going on on the opposite side of the rig. So the entire... So basically George Lucas has to, like, walkie-talkie him. Like, move him, like, a little bit more to the left. A little bit more to the left. (laughs) Okay, now you're looking at Luke. And just like there's I I have so much respect for stuff like that. I think everybody kind of has like their own little aspect of filmmaking that they dial in on. And and mine is puppeteering. I I think that stuff is so cool. Anyway, now that I'm done being a nerd, let's talk more (laughs) about Star Wars. Um, I think that uh, really. Ow, I just smacked my knee on the desk. Oh, that hurt. Anyway. (laughs) back to what i was saying now that i'm in pain another scene with yoda that i thought was like really heavy hitting was when luke sees his face in the vader mask oh yeah because like it could be interpreted in like so many different ways and it's also foreshadowing in a way i guess with like it being his actual father in the mask and him being a part of that familial line and also his fear of becoming something like Darth Vader on the dark side. That's the thing that I, that's the thing that I see most in that scene Yeah, is it is Luke's fear of losing to the dark side. Um, I think Yoda is way too judgmental on Luke. It's way too hard. Just, yeah, like I think that Yoda's a good teacher. I think that like there's a lot that goes into being a Jedi that I think Yoda did a good job of uh demonstrating. And you know, the whole like do or do not, there is no try. Uh like th- like all in all, he's a good teacher. However, the fact that that Yoda, the ghost of Ben Kenobi, just like wail into Luke for like five minutes because he wants to go and save his his friends. I'm like, bud, is this not what you guys want me to do? Is that not the whole point of the Jedi is to save people? He was like, look, I I'm coming back. Like, I just need to go help my friends. And so that scene like almost frustrated me where it's like, Yoda, I am so grateful for what you're doing for me. I really do appreciate it. However, me saving my friends is a really big deal, and it's not going to cost us the war. Trust me. I got this. I got this. Let me handle this, guys. And, and Yoda, like, Yoda treats him, like, completely incompetent. And I think that Luke makes a lot of brash, childish decisions. But I don't think that having his friends in his heart is one of them. And that's kind of where my disagreement with the whole Jedi concept starts to align is like, Hey, 
you guys are doing pretty good. However, if you could like let people have friends, I would really appreciate that. Like Luke lifts the ship, which is what they've been trying to do and trying to do and trying to do, and he finally does it, and Yoda's still like, eh, you fail. Yeah, it's it's not even like Yoda doesn't even like recognize the progress he's made. It's like, hey, you accomplished a really good step. Go help your friends and come back. It's like, hey, you you still suck. <laughs> you don't even know what it is to be a Jedi yet. And and meanwhile, if I were Luke, I'd be like, yeah, because you haven't told me. Straight up. And there's this whole like history about the Jedi Council that Luke doesn't know because Yoda doesn't tell him. And I like if you Yoda, you cannot hold this man accountable for information you don't tell him. Um, but car- watching him carry ar- around a Yoda like a little backpack was fun. I I really liked that. I was like, that's that's funny. Imagine just having to run through this swampy forest with a little green man on your back. Also, talk about probably the least comfortable workout conditions on the planet. I would have passed out. Yeah, like muggy, humid, literally going through slop. It probably smelled really bad. Yo, George Lucas, what is up with you and slop? (laughs) I don't want to say what came to my mind because you would have to bleep it all out. So then we have to go to the Cloud City. Um, And I, I remember going into this movie like ready to be heartbroken by Lando. And because in my head, Lando betrayed the team for effectively no reason. That was kind of how it was working in my memory. But then re- after rewatching, I'm like, oh, oh, no, Lando really didn't have a choice. No, he was very much forced into this. His hands were tied. And he like genuinely did his best to help the team out. So I remember I, I remember Lando being like someone you can trust but shouldn't turn your back to. But walking away from this movie again, I'm like, no, he's he is good. He just we, we had a bad introduction to him. And also, I feel like C-3PO getting blown up feels like uh, it, it felt like a weird complication. Yeah, it felt like they just needed a little something else. Yeah. Um, I really like the dude with the computer on his head. I, I used to know his name. I don't anymore. Um, I, he's weird. He's just a weird little dude. He's a a little quirky guy. Now this is the part where we can talk about what I was saying earlier. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Also, another little Mandela effect, if you will. When this gets quoted in general, like people are always like, people always say, Luke, I am your father. But he doesn't say his name. He just says, no, I am your father. Um, Yeah. And I think that... Somewhere along the lines in popular culture, someone must have like misquoted it on like a TV show or something. And then that's kind of what. How it stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And like it fits. Like I'm not going to get on people about it. It really doesn't matter. But they still made it way more dramatic in delivery than it actually is. Like in every yeah. time you hear somebody quote it or you see somebody quote it in a show or another movie, they're so dramatic with it. And then in real life, it's just like, no, 
That's me, bitch. Yeah, it's very... He he delivers it, I don't want to say flatly, but, like, stern is the matter word. Matter-of-factly. Just very yeah. matter-of-fact. And I I really like watching Luke process that because he starts off very simple. You watch him go through the five stages of grief uh, in like 17 seconds. Straight up. And it gets to the point where he's just like, his version of acceptance is, I'm going to fall down this chute. <laughs> he's like, I, I'm out. See ya. Peace. Got a blast. Um, also mad respect for him. Okay. Actually, no. Nick's the mad respect. I want, so when Luke falls down the tube and he is hanging onto this antenna, he tries to crawl back up the tube. And the entire time I'm thinking, then what? Yeah. Like. Then what? Watching, like, you can tell he's acting on instinct and instinct alone because he's gripping on things you know he's not going to have a grip on. He's climbing up things you know he's not going to be able to hold on to. And I'm like, bud, just save your strength and hold on to this position you already have. But, you know, desperate times and whatnot. So I guess I shouldn't give him too hard a time. Yeah, I think you'd probably do the same. I wouldn't even have the strength to hold myself in place as (laughs) long as he does. Yeah, that's fair. That too. Um, yeah, this movie's good. This movie's good. I like this movie. Um, I think this one gets like a 7.75. Yeah, I can agree with that. Now, Return of the Jedi is my favorite of the trilogy. If you know me, you know I'm a sucker for finales. Mm -hmm. I will give a finale more credit than (laughs) any of its counterparts simply simply because it is a finale. If I get emotional closure on most of the things that I wanted, I will like you more than everything else. And this is no different. This movie rules. Now, again, I forgot that how much of this movie takes place on Tatooine. They are on Tatooine for 40 minutes in this movie. However, I didn't feel it as much this time. There was because lots of more cool things action. were happening. Yeah, there was a lot more constant action. And I want to give a shout out to Mark Hamill. Because not because he hasn't gotten enough accolades already. <laughs> um, uh, I think his acting really shines in this movie. Um, I really liked watching Luke go from reckless young adult who just wants to get the power and save the day to humble contained Jedi who understands that responsibility sometimes. Yeah. Like you just gotta, gotta, gotta go with it a little bit. So I think I, from the moment Luke appears in this movie, he's different in a very good way. And Mark Hamill carries that. So I want to give props to that. I definitely agree. And that was something that I had written down is that you like see a drastic character difference, but it fits so well and it's played out so well instead of it just being like, oh, they wanted to switch this up just to switch this up. Like it actually goes along with the character development and it's done very well through the acting. Yeah, it's it's so good. Uh, Another shout out to my man Chewbacca. I'm sorry you keep getting taken prisoner. Sorry, Chewie. <laughs> it doesn't stop when you're older either. It really doesn't. And to be fair, it started when he was younger. So like there's kind of there's 
Homeboy has a pattern. It started when we were younger. You were mine. My chew. Um, that was the, a good one, Craig. Give that credit. It was. Yeah. I, yeah. Laugh at my jokes. The, okay. <laughs> Screw you, Craigery. What? I'm doing what you asked. It's not genuine. Well, may, never mind. I'm going to go cry about it. Um, make sure you record it so we can have content. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um the Leia bounty hunter reveal. Ten out of ten. So good. Ten Love that. Sh- chef's kiss. Um, oh, we I just I love. We didn't talk about the I love you. I know. Oh yes, yes, yes. That is something else that gets I think exaggerated. Because don't get me wrong, it's iconic. But like. I feel like the pacing of that is a little bit shorter than I would have had it. Like, I would have added, like, an extra beat or two. Well, wasn't it improvised? I thought it was improvised. Yes, it is. It is. I'm just talking, like, in the editing room. Yeah, I guess. But it, it's, um, isn't it, like, it was, like, it ended up being, like, a nod to breakfast at Tiffany's in the end. I don't I, know. I, I don't care that much. Um, but Han's delivery of that is amazing. Uh, and, and again, it's iconic for a reason. Like, it, it's good. That's a good bit. And, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm not done talking about Empire. Um, <laughs> Han going into the Carbonite is a heartbreaking scene. So heartbreaking. Genuinely heartbreaking. Not just from Leia, but from Chewbacca. Oh, um, my like, boy. Chewbacca has kind of just, he's always just kind of been there. I feel like, like, Chewie doesn't really have too much, like, to do usually He's just but tinkering. in in that carbonite scene like it's it's genuinely heartbreaking knowing that like they were like they were best friends genuinely genuinely and what like it was not a pet master scenario it was not you know an assistant and captain scenario like these were best friends and you get all of that just like from the one roar it's uh it, it's it's such a good moment and uh, I also think the fight scene in the chamber, in the Carbonite chamber, is a really good fight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the use of the Force was used sparingly and well. So just, uh, I think that's everything I have to say about Empire now. <laughs> that The Carbonite chamber had very good moments. Back on track. And I like how when he, Back- when they release him from that, carbonite chamber because he's still in it at this point months later i like that he's like oh luke has a plan well i'd rather be back in the chamber (laughs) my fate the line that stuck with me throughout the 15 years i remember of having watched this movie is when uh han is like how are things going and luke is like oh you the the usual and han goes ah that bad huh (laughs) yes (laughs) iconic it That's just our life. So long. <laughs> that is our life. That's us when we talk to each other every single day. <laughs> yeah. Um. Again, Han. Uh, Han coming out of the carbonite looks like me when I wake up from an accidental nap. <laughs> just like covered in sweat, can't see, don't know who's around me. <laughs> like that is a man I can relate to. Also, just Han not being able to see for thirty minutes of this movie is. It's played very well. Yes. Like, it's not just something they say. 
and just like, okay, whatever. Like they play with it a little bit. They have some fun with it. And I think it works to their advantage. I agree. And like, I just, I really just love that scene in its entirety. Like that entire section of this movie. Oh yeah. So when, when the droids first get traded to Jabba and they're being taken through like the, I don't even know how to describe it. Just like the, the underground of the, of the castle. Mm -hmm. There's a bit where like a gonk droid is having its feet like branded or something and it's screaming. (laughs) And I was terrified of that as a kid. And you know what? It's still a little unsettling now. Yeah, it's absolutely droid abuse that they just put on the screen. So I just like I felt so bad for that little guy. Um, I also one of my favorite things about this movie is so this movie specifically. There are just so many characters that don't say anything, but add so much depth to this movie. Like the the two things, the two characters that you notice right away that it happens with is like all the people in the band for Jabba, like they all have personalities, even Mm -hmm. if they're just singing, even if they don't say anything like they all have personalities and it shows. Um, And also the Rancor handler when Luke kills the Rancor and this guy is crying over him. Yeah, he's like, it's my, my baby. And so it's it's characters like that that I think makes this movie particularly the strongest of the three. Um, there's lots about this movie that I think make it the strongest, um, but stuff like that is one of those aspects that I really enjoy. They really amped up the sound effects budget for this one, too, because <laughs> the last two were, were a little, little rough in that area. Yeah, like the first, the first two is just a lot of like, Pew pew. Pew. Pew pew. Pew pew. And all the lightsaber clashes just like had more tact to them. Yes. Uh cuz like when when Ben and Vader are fighting in episode 4, there's just kind of like this like It's two old men fighting each other. Yeah. And so how how Ben holds his lightsaber, it's like, buddy, you're holding it way too close to the top. Like, you're going to slip <laughs> and cut your own hand off. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, you could definitely see during that scene, they were still kind of figuring out how to choreograph those fights. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm cutting them slack for that. Yes. But this movie, it's so much better. It's so much better in these. Oh, my God. Heavily improved. Uh, I like the little details of... That this is the Luke, this is the lightsaber that Luke built. Um, I have no idea who took him to get a kyber crystal. Um, I yeah, mean, like, that's a piece of lore that they didn't need to explain in episode six. But now, in hindsight, I'm like, well, who else knows about kyber? Yeah, did Yoda like, tell him to go there? <laughs> but like, uh, I yeah. It, when when did he have time to do it? Like, did he do it in the two months that Han was in captivity? <laughs> So that's the thing that I that that is an issue with this movie is I don't have a good time frame as to how it relates to episode five, because like unless they tell me otherwise, my mindset is it is the time between the release of these two movies. Yeah. So I'm like in the three like it has it been three years since 
they well, were no. able to rescue Han? No, because it says it in the opening scroll. Oh, I it does? That it's only been a couple months. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll take that. I'll accept that. Um, because that makes sense. Because they don't really... I wish they had shown a little bit more. I don't know how they would have. Maybe mm-hmm. they could have talked about it a little more. But I wish they could have talked about him going back to Dagobah to complete his training. Because... When he goes back to watch Yoda die, um, the way he talks to R2, it makes it sound like he hasn't been back since. Yeah, that's that's what I got from it as well. I was like, this isn't him just going back. Like, we already established that he's got more training under his belt. But then when he goes to Yoda, he's like, I fulfilled my promise. I completed my training. I'm like, oh, oh, so you have been back. So that that is a little funky in terms that's a little funky and clunky oh it was six months han was frozen for six months yeah and so maybe that it had to have been that had to have been time out what jedi do finish their training by doing by getting their kyber crystal i'm pretty sure so that does make (laughs) sense (laughs) Um, yeah okay never mind it tracks it Uh, tracks that tracks um, maybe I don't like Yoda as a character. That's Bug, a do I not like statement. Yoda as a character? Because even in death, he's being cryptic to Luke. And I'm just like, Bud, get it together. Why are you holding on so tight? Uh, yeah, I think. And of course, as he's like taking his last breath is when he's like, you know, what? I'm gonna be straight up with you. But then he dies before he can be. I'm going to be straight up with you. Yes, he's your dad. There, you do have a sister. <laughs> Bye. Oh, and then he has like a weird confrontation with Ben, with Ben's force ghost, where he's like, "Your Vader is your father, but I wasn't lying because I said that Vader killed your father because when he became Vader, th- your father essentially died. The man who your father was died. And I'm like, I guess... Yeah. I I guess, but like you still could have added that information in there. Like, but he just wanted him to like not have that personal connection so that way he could just kill him without the ties. Yeah. Which is and selfish and manipulative there, Benny boy. So manipulative. Like, yeah, the Sith are evilly manipulative, but like the Jedi are toxically manipulative. At least the Sith are, like, straight up with you. Yeah, they're like, yeah, so we want to kill all these people and uh, the dark side, man. You should yeah, come like, over. Yeah, like, we accept, like, hey, our side of the force is literally called the dark side, and we've accepted that. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> you just gotta be like, yeah, I'll, I'll believe in the Emperor. I'll help him out. Um, but I mean, Yoda does have cool moments. I, I just like little things where he's like, um, I'm strong with the force, but not that strong. Yeah. I, I, I like that line a lot. I definitely think they gave him more character in the prequel. But once these people get old, apparently they lose all their zhuzh. <laughs> their zhuzh. I love that. <laughs> um, they lose yeah. their sparkle. <laughs> and I think Yoda's death in particular I think it's probably the most fascinating to watch because it's the first time that we see someone really become the force. And I think that 
that is kind of the moment where it's easy for it to as a kid it's kind of when it connected like it's the oh. first it's the first death we see that's not a murder yeah <laughs> yes also that <laughs> um but it's the moment where i realized like the force is the life around us. Mm -hmm. And when you die, you turn into the force. And that's kind of like when it connected, the connection that the force has with life. Um, So I think that's why Yoda's death is very important. And that's why his death is kind of cool to watch. And I like connecting that little bit to real life because, you know, energy can never be destroyed. And so once you die your energy just transforms into something else we might not come back as a cool force ghost but uh (laughs) we can still come back as a ghost maybe maybe believe in that type of stuff i if i come back as a force ghost i want to be hayden christensen apparently so did darth vader because he didn't (laughs) he came back as hayden christensen and not (laughs) not what he died as like obi-wan did which we'll get or was that just like was that like a call to like him being returned to a jedi that's what i yeah that's what i'm thinking too but is still i guess you get to choose he's hayden christensen's ghost because i think that tracks with what ben said of anakin died when darth vader took over quote unquote and so he and you could say like he died as Anakin because he killed the emperor and he saw the good in himself. And when he saw the good in himself, he was truly Anakin right before he died. Like if you want to find lore justifications, that's where you would find it. Yeah. Um, But it's still a little, I think that they were just like, I think they were just like, okay, we're going to show you him younger. So that way we can prepare you for the prequels. Well, I mean, they added this after the prequels. That's obviously. true. Yeah. This was this was, I think, like the two thousand four remaster. These movies been remastered a lot. Yeah, that's um, true. It's still because, funny though because it still throws it off a little bit because you're like, hmm. Oh yeah, if you were to watch the original, like you would have to be like, oh, I guess that was Darth Vader. And that's like that's the one that I grew up watching. That you not the remastered one. No, the original originals. Yeah, see, I've only known it as the Hayden Christensen ghost. I don't think I've ever seen the not Hayden Christensen ghost. Because we used to, like, my grandpa had them all on VHS. And so we would always borrow his VHSs and watch them. Um. Yeah, I, I had these on DVD. Um, <laughs> so we bought, I think when these movies, so when episode three came out is when we bought both trilogy bundles, like at Target or something. Yeah. So those were what I watched. Um, As a kid, this movie was the hardest for me to get through, not because it was bad or boring, but because I kept falling asleep. I don't know what it was. I I watched it with a friend before we owned it. And I think we watched it while we were camping or whatever. And the DVD player we watched on was in his bed. So I'm just like, ah, one plus one equals two, baby. Time to sleep. It's funny that you say that because I did fall asleep for like 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Had to rewind real quick. Um, 
some really cool. I, this movie, I think, has the best acting just in general. Yes. We talked about it a lot with Mark Hamill. And I think another moment where that shows is when they are transmitting the codes to go to Endor. And there's that moment of tension between Vader and Luke where Luke is like, I'm endangering us. I shouldn't have come on this mission. And Vader is like, let them pass. I'll deal with them myself. And there's like these beats of silence in between these interactions that I think are placed perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah. That scene is so tense. I love it. It's it's the perfect amount of intensity. And they did it so well. The acting from this movie compared to the first, there's a it's ginormous wild. difference. Yeah, and I think that's kind of why the first one is kind of harder to get through is because you know stuff like this is coming, and you're like, I don't want to sit through all of that to get to this. Yes, 100%. That hits that right on the head. Um, I also talk about like small moments with small characters. When the Ewok are fighting the Empire... Oh, this Dude, this is sad even talking about. <laughs> when the Ewok are fighting the Empire and there are these two little Ewok that get yeah. shot with a big blaster bolt yeah. and one of them dies. Yeah. <laughs> I might actually cry. It's so sad. And the other Ewok like goes up against like goes to goes to the corpse and like you see him like shake him like oh. trying to get him to wake up and you see him real dude, I'm actually crying <laughs> and you see him like realize that his little Ewok buddy's dead and you just see him like Shut gently it. rest his head against him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, dude. Wow. Oh my god. We made it this far before one of us cried. I'm proud of us. I didn't even cry watching it. Just talking about it is sad. Oh, my God. Uh, this movie is so good. <laughs> um, a hard pivot to get us away from any sort of emotion. Uh, I think them flying through the Death Star is cooler than the trench run. I agree. Um, it's a lot more tense because there's a lot more close calls and just like the bit where he knocks the satellite off the top of the Millennium Falcon. Um, it's like it, it, it's so cool. It's just so cool watching them do that. I also think like the shield reactor room or like the reactor room that they're in, just like that big open oval or that big open sphere with the with the beam and the like that's a cool set that's a cool setting mm -hmm. and i just i think that the inside of the death star is cool i like it a lot more than the trench run it's it's a bit of a nail biter um okay so here's the thing watching through this okay <laughs> scene setting set it up i throughout my entire life i've played a lot of lego games specifically lego star wars Lego Star Wars 1, the one that's based on the prequels, was the first video game that I ever got as a birthday present. I remember opening it when I turned seven uh, when I was at a Chili's. <laughs> and it is a core that memory tracks. Me. That tracks so hard that you were at Chili's. <laughs> and so the entire time I'm watching this movie, these movies, I, I think about like the little things that they pull out of them to make levels for like when they're on um uh when they're at Jabba's palace and there's one shot one shot of Luke jumping from one of the of the ships to another one 
And that's like a that's like a whole like two or three minute sequence in the game. And so it was just kind of fun to kind of like connect the dots of like where they got their level design inspirations from and flying inside of the Death Star has like three or four minutes of screen time. It doesn't take like it's not the majority of that scene, but that is an entire level in the Lego Star Wars games. And I just I don't know it was fun to kind of like have that little connection. Yeah, I I could definitely see it. I think a pivot away from that a little bit. Um, I think that it was it said a lot about Luke and Luke's morals when even in the intense situations that he was in, he still refused to kill his own father. And he was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then he he's lost like literally everybody in his life. And then he still has to sit there and watch his own father die. Yeah, I, I think Luke... Episode six, Luke is probably one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Mm-hmm. Episode four and five, Luke, there's an argument to be made that he's a little overrated. He's, he's growing. Six, yes. Episode six, Luke is peak Star Wars. I think yes. this movie is peak Star Wars. Yes. I think this movie, if you were to watch a movie and be like, forget the context, this is the essence of Star Wars. Episode six captures it the best. Go for it, um, yeah. And I, Luke's character, like when he's talking to Darth Vader when he first arrives on the Death Star, and Luke and he's like, "All right, I guess you got to face the Emperor now." And Luke's like, "All right, fine, okay." Like th- that is cool. the The way he stands up to the Emperor is super cool. The way that, like you said, the way he still refuses to kill Darth Vader, the way he. He doesn't really get a chance to, but he also doesn't really try to kill the Emperor. No. Um, so, like, Luke's kind of walking out of the Death Star, like, no blood on his hands. Uh, and personally, that's what I think the Jedi should be about. Yes. And, I, and I'm excited to revisit this mentality in the sequel series because... I think episode six Luke is like the Jedi should be about stopping evil, but not necessarily killing the people behind it, which is a flawed mindset. Definitely. I understand that. But I think in the moment, it's very important to see that through. And I think it is. I think it is seen through very well in this movie. Absolutely. Um, this might be a bit high. This movie is a freaking nine out of ten. I was I was gonna give it like an eight and a half nine for sure. Because going into this, I would say Force Awakens is my favorite Star Wars movie. Rewatching Return of the Jedi makes a there. strong case. We're gonna have to revisit once we rate that one. Absolutely, this freaking rules. Um. I don't know if there's anything else I want to talk about vis-a-vis Star Wars right now. I th- I definitely want to rewatch Solo and Rogue One. I don't want to put that on our official roster. I just no. kind of want to rewatch them and maybe I'll talk about it briefly. I definitely want to watch both of those as well. And the way Star Wars... I like Star Wars Rebels. So Star Wars Rebels is the sequel to Star Wars The Clone Wars and a prequel to this trilogy and all in all i think it's it's unnecessary you don't have to watch it it's just if you like the universe of star wars 
Star Wars Rebels is just more of that. Um, it talks a lot about like Mandalorian stuff. You hear a lot about the Darksaber, stuff like that. Um, you also see a little bit of Obi-Wan uh, and how he guards Luke on Tatooine. Uh, and, and that's kind of like, that was my version of Obi-Wan that I was kind of expecting is the Obi-Wan that will actively protect Luke. Mm-hmm. And I didn't kind of get that vibe. No, in it's any of lost. In any of the movies that he's in. And so I think that Luke deserved better Jedi Masters. Agreed. I second that entirely. Is that it? Is that all you have to yeah, say? Yeah, it was so much fun revisiting this trilogy. It was it's, a blast. And I'm excited for when we do the prequel trilogy because that is the trilogy that I'm excited to discuss that trilogy more than anything else. Um, Me too, but honestly. that's not for a little while yet. Bug, can you tell us what is next? Okay, so this brings us to the end of our first Star Wars month with our initial trilogy. And next month happens to be my birth month. And so we are going to do my favorites, which are Empire Records, Almost Famous, Practical Magic, and The Wizard of Oz. I am so excited to do this. I cannot wait. So here's the thing. I know, I've known that these are your favorite movies. I have only seen The Wizard of Oz. And it's been one of those things where it's like, I want to watch it with you because they're important to you and I want to watch important movies with you. But now we have an opportunity to do that for content. It's the best of both worlds. So I so we're taking me being a mediocre friend and turning it into content where I can blind react to these movies. I'm just so excited that I finally get to force you to watch Empire Records because that is a movie that I can quote from front to back. And I've been meaning to watch it for like six years. So I'm excited as well. Yeah, I I don't know if you'll like it as much as I do, but I think that it's fantastic. And we'll get more into it next month. I'm Bug and I'm small. And I'm Craig and I'm tall. Thanks for joining us for our first Star Wars month. We know that the world is a bit of a dark place right now, so be sure to hug your family close and stay safe. We'll see you next month. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. Mwah.